This is your Friday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Thank you so much for joining me all week. Hope you're enjoying every show, including the bonus show. Did a Wolves bonus podcast after Gerson Rosas was fired this week. I've had tons of other great stuff uh, on this on this week's shows, and today is no exception. Stefan Fatsis um, from Slate's Hang Up and Listen podcast, writer of several different books, including A Few Seconds of Panic, will help me get, get inside the head of Greg Joseph, Vikings kicker. We'll also have Mark Craig on the show here in a little bit to do our weekly picks segment. Got to talk a little bit at the end about the Lynx. They have their playoff opponent settled and some good injury news for the Vikings. But first, what did I miss? Yeah. Jalen Suggs made a little bit of news, I guess, the other day. He went on a podcast, not this one, um, unfortunately, but he he went on a podcast and he said, basically kind of relitigating his recruiting process. And of course, Suggs was a two-sport star at Minnehaha Academy, um, was trying to decide where he's going to go to school a couple of years ago, and ends up going to Gonzaga, commits kind of midway through his senior year. But he said on this podcast that, had the Gophers recruited him harder in basketball, he was prepared to go there as a two-sport athlete. His exact quote, talking about then-head coach Richard Pitino at the time, quote, if he would have just came a little more and showed interest like he actually wanted me to be there, then I think it would have been easy. I honestly think I would have chopped it up and probably committed my late junior year. Wow, that's a lot to unpack. Um, you got to take Jalen Suggs at his word, although you know revisionist history is what it is. You can say different things after the fact, but if so, it's just a huge missed opportunity, right? I mean, Suggs went on to have a great freshman year for Gonzaga, gets him all the way to the all the way to the NCAA men's basketball championship game, makes the winning basket in you know overtime of the semifinals, where he you know basically a bank shot from almost half court. Um, and gets drafted fifth overall by the Orlando Magic. So, you know, if that's the case, it just only reinforces what we had heard about Richard Pitino and, the you know, the, the, the problems he had had with in-state recruiting. Now, again, it would have been predicated, too, on the fact that would they have let him play both sports? I don't know. Maybe. How much would he have played in, in both at the same time? Probably would have been more of a basketball player than a football player, at least right away. But he was Mr. Basketball and Mr. Football in the state of Minnesota. So, Long story short, if they miss an opportunity to get one of the best players in Minnesota basketball history because they didn't recruit him hard enough, that is a fail regardless of what the intent might be. I'm Chris Hine, Timberwolves beat writer at the Star Tribune and the first five-time guest in daily delivery history. Thank you for listening to this podcast. This work is made possible by our Star Tribune subscribers. For unlimited access to the articles mentioned in this podcast, our coverage of Minnesota sports from pros to preps, and even all of Rand's future blog posts about how the Timberwolves should trade for players they will never get, go to startribune.com slash subscribe. Special treat on daily delivery today, Stefan Fatsis, who is the author of a number of books, um, is on Slate's Hang Up and Listen podcast, number of other projects in the past as well. Um, Stefan, how are you doing today? Thank, welcome to the show. Doing good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, you know, like I said, you've written several different books. The one that I'm most concerned with right now, unfortunately, it's not the Scrabble book. I'd love to talk Scrabble because uh, I'm, I'm a big Scrabble enthusiast. But the one I want to talk about the most right now is 
um, a few seconds of panic about your time spent uh, essentially as a, a would-be reserve place kicker during Broncos training camp 15 years ago. Tell me a little bit more about that as a setup before we talk about place kicking Greg Joseph and the the, the grind that it is as an NFL kicker. Yeah, um, I just had this weird idea that someone should do a remake of George Plimpton's book Paper Lion from the early 1960s uh, about the modern NFL. You know, I could kick, I played soccer, and I thought, well, if I can persuade an NFL team to let me do this, that would be A, a ton of fun, and B, give readers insight into what the world of the NFL today is actually like. And you know, I was covering the NFL for the Wall Street Journal at the time, um, and I had good contacts with owners. And after about 20 different teams, uh, the late Pat Bolin, the owner of the Broncos, said, yeah, I like this idea. Let me run it by Mike Shanahan, and, and we'll see. And a couple months later, he called me back and said, you're in. And I had, like, in preparation, spent a year with a personal trainer to sort of get bigger and also with a kicking coach to learn how to kick a football as well as a, you know, 40-plus-year-old reporter could learn to do. That's fascinating. And I, first of all, the, that they let you do it, I can't – it's just it, – that boggles my mind. But you must have had a good good relationship, sold it, sold it well. How did it, how did it go? What was, the, what was the journey like for you? Oh, it was great. I mean, it was crazy. I mean, imagine a five foot seven, five foot eight guy walking into an NFL locker room. They parked me with the kickers, and our lockers were right next to the offensive linemen. And so these 300 pound dudes see me with my slightly graying hair and my tiny body, and they're like hovering over me, like, what are you doing here? Um, but you're right. I had good relationships with, um, with ownership. And when ownership talks in the NFL, um, everyone else responds. And the thing that the rave, that the Broncos rather, um, understood was that, you know, the, the idea of distractions is overblown in professional sports. Um, uh, Pat Bowen and Mike Shanahan, to his credit, both understood that this actually could play to the team's strength during training camp. It would take some of the pressure off players. It would be a fun kind of distraction. And it would be also journalistically worthwhile because everybody inside an NFL team feels that the day-to-day -day media doesn't convey what it's really like. And my pitch to everybody was, I want to show what it's actually like to play on, to run, to manage, to own an NFL team. Um, and that required, like you said, getting everybody's trust. And, you know, I thought I was pretty good at that. And, you know, by the, my first day in the, in the locker room, I made my pitch to players. Whoever asked was like, I just want to know what it's like for you. I want to know, I want to be able to tell people how brutal it is to do this job. And players bought into it and they were awesome. And obviously, like you said, and for those who have read the book, it's far more than about kicking. That was just your, your in, your role. And, you know, so provided a, a nice kind of thread for the story. The, the title of the book, if I'm not mistaken, comes from a Jason Elam quote, basically saying where he said, kicking is hours and hours of boredom surrounded by a few seconds of panic. Talk, talk to me about that notion, especially as it relates to your experience trying to kick, watching kind of the mental side of the kicking game. It is everything about kicking. I mean, the truth is that every kicker 
all 32 that are currently on NFL rosters and uh, twice as many more that have a chance or, or a goal of kicking in the league are good enough physically to kick in the NFL. Everybody can kick a 65-yard field goal. Everyone can boot one from 70 on a practice field. Um, what separates NFL kickers who have longevity and accuracy and a proven track record is the mental side of the game. Um, it is, that is the case, obviously, with a lot of sports, particularly individual sports. Um, you know, the kicker is the only real, and the punter, are the only real individualists on an NFL roster. They're the ones who, when they are called on to perform their jobs, the entire stadium is watching them and only them. Um, you know, the, 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 the snapper and the holder play a role, but ultimately it's the kicker that everyone is focused on. And you can't say that about any other play in an NFL game. I mean, yeah, we look at the quarterback after he gets the ball, but there's an intricate pattern taking place on the field on which everything that the quarterback does is dependent. Um, the kickers is a much more narrow world, and the kicker is always the locus of attention and therefore credit or blame, depending on the outcome. I'm going to get back to that thread in a minute as it pertains to Greg Joseph, uh, the Vikings kicker who missed the 37-yard field goal last week that would have given the Vikings a win over Arizona. Um, one interesting notion that I've heard from you know players, from former players, is there's a there's an interesting dichotomy between other players who, you know, like linemen, linebacker, quarterback, whatever it is, and kickers, because they are specialists. Do you feel like the, the kickers are treated as actual players or is this there's this kind of weird relationship because they are, you know, they perform the specialized task that is so far removed from really anything else that has to do with anything in the game? Oh, yeah, they're totally treated like outsiders 90% of the time. I mean, the, the kicking group works with itself. They're on a different field typically. Um, they don't do all of the same drills that, that, that position players do, obviously. Um, their workouts and their practices are much less strenuous, shall we say. Sure. Nobody is hitting the kicker. No one is hitting the punter. <laughs> It'd be wild if um, they were. It'd be really like, yeah. this is what's going to happen. What if, what if there's a roughing the kicker penalty? We need to be, we need to be ready for that. Yeah, so we need to rough the kicker to practice it. Yeah, I don't think that would go over big. Um, so they are, you know, ostracized. But, you know, again, this is part of the psychological game and the personality process. It's just like if you're a good person, you know, good kickers integrate with the rest of the team. They not only persuade their teammates that they are indispensable because of the way they perform on the field, but they connect in the normal ways that human beings connect. I mean, I was able to like get players on the Broncos to trust me because I was a good guy, not because I was a good kicker, because I was a trustworthy figure in the locker room. They believed me. I mean, the first day I got there, one of the one of the players in the like two lockers over who was a half tight end who'd been converted into an offensive lineman was like, oh, I read Word Freak. You wrote that book about Scrabble? I mean, the, the notion that NFL players are sort of um, limited in their interests and their thought processes is wrong. I mean, if you're a good person, you will connect. And the best kickers, Jason Neelam of the Broncos, who was there when I was there, was a great example of this. He was friend to all. I mean, he was trusted by the entire team. And part of that was his, you know, 13-year at the time or 12-year at the time track record of brilliance 
in his job, but it was also because he was a good guy that people counted on and viewed as a, you know, as a as a as an authority figure inside this team. So it is no different than in any other workplaces, but yeah, kickers obviously still take um or the 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 butt of jokes um and sort of looked down upon because they are not viewed as, you know, performing the same physical job. On the other hand, Kickers are not small people anymore. This is not the 1970s and 80s. I mean, kickers are, you know, would have played linebacker in earlier eras in the NFL. These are big guys and incredibly strong guys. So when you see Greg Joseph, you know, week one makes a game-tying field goal from 52 yards, just lines it up, knocks it right through, makes a couple other 50-plus yard field goals as the course of week two goes on against Arizona – Miss an extra point along the way, but you get to yep. the the finale, the the kick that can win the game or lose the game, and I, I feel like the psychology is a little different when you're either a, you know when you're a one or two points behind and your kick is going to definitely de- define what happens. I feel like if it's a tying kick or if you are tied, it's a little bit different. But this is a they're down by one. He lines up mm-hmm. the kick thirty seven yards. Modern NFL, these kickers make those like 93, 94% of the time. It's not like the old days where they make half of them. You know what I mean? Right. So what what do you think of when you see him just kind of nudge it, push it to the right? I think a couple things. Uh, the first is that that fans don't really appreciate the level of timing and precision that goes into a kick in any situation, um, but especially one in a high-pressure situation like that one, a high-leverage situation. Nothing can really be off. You know, the, the time from snap to kick is typically about 1.25 to 1.3 seconds. Um, f- from the moment the ball is snapped to the moment that the ball leaves the kicker's foot. The variables in there are tremendous. I mean, it's the the timing after the kicker nods his head and the holder calls for the ball. The moment that the ball is snapped, the speed of the snap, the rotation of the ball, the angle at which it's received by the holder and placed on the ground. If anything is off even slightly, the kicker's timing is going to be screwed up. Um, And that happens. And that's not an excuse, but it is a factor here. And the second is the, the, the mental state of the kicker. Kickers are athletes like anybody else. Missing that field goal, that extra point earlier in a game is going to affect um, a, an athlete's thinking. I mean, their goal is to never have anything like that affect their thinking. I mean, in the course of reporting a few seconds of panic, I had, I, I connected with the sports psychologist for the Baltimore Ravens. And he walked me through like the techniques that kickers use in working with um, psychologists to sort of flush out these kind of negative thoughts. But we're humans. I mean, I had a mantra. I spent time with Matt Stover, who was the the great kicker for the Baltimore Ravens, and worked out with him one day and talked to him a lot about the psychology of kicking. Um, And Stover said he had a, a mantra himself, and his was, I see it, I feel it, I trust it. And there would be times, he said, when during the course of a game or warming up when the thought of missing intruded on his brain and he would literally say out loud get off of me (laughs) um the idea being that failure can't be the last thing you think about you have to come up with some sort of 
um, process to get it out of your brain and out of your body. And I'm sure that Greg Joseph has that, right? Like every kicker has that. It's breathing, it's moving, it's doing some sort of activity or reciting some sort of, um, you know, some group of sentences or phrases to get you beyond it. But still, you know, getting to that happy place isn't always automatic. Um, and you miss one and it can lead to another miss. The best kickers are able to flush it instantly. Um, but I mean, I can attest fully and look, I wasn't kicking in a game with anything on the line. I was kicking during training camp with like 150 people watching me and maybe a thousand fans on the berms at, at, the, at, the, at the training facility in Denver. But I never felt more pressure in my life doing anything than in those moments. And after one of them, Jason Neal and I missed my first two kicks in front of everybody. It was humiliating. I don't want to, no spoiler alert there for the book, <laughs> but um, Elam walked up to me and he said, you play long enough in the NFL, you'll miss some kicks. And I said, but I'm not playing long enough in the NFL. And he said, that's what I'm saying. You've played long enough to miss some kicks. So the important thing for the kicker is to forget about the missed kick and to move on to the next game or the next kick. Um, the, the hard part for the kicker is not knowing whether you have the support inside your team to forgive you to, to, for missing a clutch kick and to understand that it's going to happen. You know, Zimmer has not had that track record. No. No, I mean, it's uh, like I was going to say, that was going to be my final thought for you is that this is a franchise that has had a history of important Missed field goals, um, you know, the Gary Anderson kick in 1998, Blair yep. Walsh, 2015. He never fully recovered from that playoff miss yep. from 27 yards. And then you had Daniel Carlson a few years ago, misses three kicks in Green Bay, including a couple that he missed in overtime, one of them which was pretty short. And he's cut the next, you know, basically a couple of days later and goes on to have a great career so far with, with the Raiders. How, how do you, mm -hmm. you know, like you said, Zimmer was much more vocal I think in his displeasure in those previous instances, this time around, he kind of took it differently, kind of, you know, said, we're not going to make any rash decisions, certainly a departure, but you know, how, how much patience do teams have? How, how do, how long do you think, you know, especially a, a team that's feeling some pressure to win, like where's that happy place between, you know, realizing this is going to happen and, you know, hoping it doesn't happen again. Yeah, it's it, it's impossible to know. And and part of it is accumulated experience and wisdom, I mean, and judgment. Um, you know, I don't know, do the Vikings have a kicking coach or a kicking consultant? Do they do they treat their kickers? Have they, you know, has Mike Zimmer treated them as outsiders um, in the past? Has he learned anything from that experience? Carlson, as you said, has gone on to have a great career um, after being let go by the Vikings. Um, I mean, it really is coach to coach. And it really is the special teams coaches making an assessment of whether they think that the kicker has the mental fortitude and stamina to get past it. Um, the, the, the inclination for head coaches in some cases is to pull the trigger quickly. You know why? Because they know there's another 50 guys that you can dial up and get into camp tomorrow morning. Um, all it takes is a text and a plane ticket. Um, and they will be there, and they all will look good in practice. They all will make 55 and 60 yarders um, kicking in front of nothing. Um, they all have the ability to play in the NFL. So I think it is to Mike 
Zimmer's credit and maybe a sign of growth that he didn't overreact. I mean, losing a game in the NFL sucks. You only have, you know, 17 now um, per season. And the, the good teams will understand that the kicker is no different than anybody else who makes a mistake. Um, yeah, exactly. You know, the, the, the lineman that holds on a last-second field goal, which we saw last week. Um, in another game, um, the quarterback who makes a bad read or a bad decision, the running back who fumbles on a simple run up the gut to get into better field goal position for a last second kick, which we also saw. Um, so you know, I think that this might be a sign of growth. I don't know Mike Zimmer well enough to know. Or maybe it's a feeling that, you know, we had a bunch of kickers, you know, on tape here and we actually trust Greg Joseph and think that he can get over this and be productive for us the rest of the season. Well, it'll be a, a confluence of um, kicking woes of sorts. Seattle against the Vikings this weekend. I believe it's the first Seattle at Minnesota game since the Blair Walsh miss and coming right after the Greg Joseph miss. So we'll see if they can um, get that sorted out. Uh, Stefan Fatsis, so much uh, happiness for you to join me here today. Thanks so much for your insights. Um, any Anything you're working on right now? Anything to anything to plug? Anything going on aside from, of course, the the podcast? Um, finishing up another book, not about sports. So for all you word fans who like maybe people that read my Scrabble book, Word Freak, this one is a, a similar journey into a into another world in the world of uh, language. So I'm psyched to to finish that up and hope it'll be out in a year or two. I look forward to that as well. Appreciate it. Take care and be well. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me on the show. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Stefan Fatsis as much as I did. Great stuff from him, kind of getting inside the head of kickers, just kind of talking through his process of writing a few seconds of panic. Looks like his next book is about the dictionary, which I will be interested in very much as well as someone who read the dictionary as a kid. Yeah, I, I used to do that. I will want to read that book and, you know, probably maybe find a whole bunch of different ways to describe how this Sunday Vikings game will go. Mark Craig here on Daily Delivery. We do a weekly NFL picks segment here. Some interesting games this week, Mark. And like usual, we'll probably start with the Vikings and Seahawks. That's a, a late afternoon kickoff on Sunday. Vikings 0-2. Two plays from being 2-0, just like your picks. Yeah. Do you get money when you make your your picks and you almost almost cash them in? Uh, no, no, that's, I had to, I had to uh, discipline my Mike Zimmer this week. He's a Parcells disciple. He's saying twice in two days, you know, we're, we're almost, we're two plays for being two and oh, no, you're not, you're owing to, uh, but no, I, I picked, uh, I made people a lot of money last week because I, they picked against me this week. I went 13 and three or week two, I went 13 and three, 10 and six against the spread. So, and I made a big goose egg in money wise. I didn't put my money where my mouth was, which I would never bet on this league. So did a lot better the week two. It's it's wildly unpredictable. And let's start with the Vikings and Seahawks. I think the Vikings will win this week. Um, just kind of the nature of the league. I don't think Seattle is a great team this year, but Seattle is favored as of right now by a point and a half, even though the game is at U.S. Bank Stadium, the uh, Vikings home opener. What do you make of this matchup and who do you like in this game? Well, yeah, there's three there's three road favorites and a two of them are four. You know, three of them are pretty easy. I don't know when, uh, you know, one is tonight's game or Thursday night's game. Uh, then, you know, um, Baltimore at Detroit, Arizona at uh, Urban Meyer's uh, USC layover locale. Um, 
think those are easy. You know, I got the Vikings, you know, my, my upset special is two and all and the Cowboys beating, uh, you know, the, the, the chargers in, in um, Los Angeles uh, put me at two and all. So I'm going to go, this will probably be the big jinx for the Vikings fans, but I got the Vikings winning this game because, well, I should, you know, if Dalvin cook is healthy and, 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 and plays in this game, I think uh, they, they win this game. I think that, you know, Seattle's going to have a hard time. We stop in the run. Um, it's a different, you know, Russell Wilson's what seven and zero against them. They always yep. show him, but they seem like they've been going to Seattle for like 50 years in a row. Uh, but it's, you know, to me, it's like, I still think it's early enough in the year. I know they're Owen too, but the, I think the crowd is going to make a huge difference for that defense. Um, and, you know, it's weird saying this when a guy throws for 400 yards, but I, th- I thought they played pretty well overall against Kyler Murray in that offense. I mean, that's just an explosive offense. And then, you know, a lot of, obviously there were breakdowns on, on plays, but, you know, overall, I think if they play that way, if the offensive line plays the way they, it, overall, if they play that way, they, they'll win some games. I do agree with Zimmer on that. And I think this is a game that they can win. Yeah, Seattle does, you know, they had a lot of trouble stopping Derrick Henry last week. And I think as we talked about on the Access Vikings podcast with Ben Gessling and Andrew Kramer, like the Vikings in Tennessee are very similar stylistically, are they not, in terms of what they want to do and how they execute and even some of the formations they use? Yeah, I think so. Uh, You know, Henry is just a machine, uh, you know, just uh, what he has done going on four straight years now uh, is, is amazing, the durability. Um, yeah, the Vikings can be probably a little more explosive with Jefferson. And, and uh, if the Vikings, I think, had Irv Smith, I mean, that would be even a, a set them apart even more. But yeah, I think I think that's a fair statement. And, um, you know, I just I like I like them being at home. Picking the Vikings to beat Russell Wilson is always a difficult errand. They've had him right where they wanted him a few times, including last year's game where all they needed to do was get a yard or get a fourth down stop a couple different times late and and couldn't do it. Two fourth down stops. Uh, Let's just throw in a Greg Joseph last second field goal uh, to from 27 yards on what the left hash. We'll we'll throw that in. How dare you? How dare you, sir? Well, yeah, it's a, it's the confluence of events, which is interesting because I also have a, a, on this on today's show, as you guys will, you'll hear um, Stefan Fatsis, who wrote uh, a few seconds of panic um, about kicking. He is uh, on today's show as well. And we'll uh, talk a little bit of Greg Joseph here in just a little bit. Um, Mark, other games that you have circled, I have circled. Um, I think we got to talk Packers and 49ers. I mean, obviously Green Bay got healthy, at least in the second half against uh, against the Lions last week. They were trailing actually at halftime of that Monday night game, but came back to win pretty convincingly. Did that show you enough of to say, hey, they're, they're kind of figuring this out and you know, there was no reason to panic? Or I still kind of want to see more against San Francisco because this is you know one of the two NFC matchups this week that really kind of should give us an early look at who the who at least the early contenders are. Well, if I was a Packers fan, I wouldn't be uh, too comfortable watching that first half. And I mean, Jared Goff and, and that offense, the, the, the Lions looked really good. I mean, the Lions were, uh, there was no pressure on Goff. I mean, I don't understand what's going on with the defense. I, I do like their, the new corner that they got, but I, I just didn't see any pass rush in that first half. And, you know, the, the offense is, Aaron Rodgers is going to be Aaron Rodgers and, and, 
and Devontae Adams is going to be Devontae Adams, but is the defense going to be good enough? And I, you know, I think, I certainly think you got to see more than, uh, you know, them putting their foot down in the second half again at home on a Monday night or against the lions to feel more comfortable about, uh, about the Packers for sure. So who do you like in this game against San Francisco? Well, I like the 49ers, you know, being out there prime time, you know, I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, the Packers will, will struggle with the, you know, a little bit with the offense, uh, you know, the Packers certainly can outscore them, but, um, I just, I like the 49ers at home. Okay. And the other big one and two for the one and two for my NFC champion. Yeah. They got, they'll have some work to do if that happens. The other NFC game is that's kind of marquee is even more interesting to me. Kind of the, you know, the team that went all in last year and won the Super Bowl, the Tampa Bay, and is, you know, still very much a contender. They're two and oh, and against the Rams, who kind of are the all in team this year after the Matthew Stafford trade, and it's paying off early. They're two and oh, as well. What do you like about this matchup as we think about it? Because I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of figuring out how I would pick this game. What I don't like about it is that it's on the same, they play at the same time as the Vikings are playing. I mean, come right. on. Move the Vikings to noon so we can all watch this game here. Um, you know what I what I like. You know, <laughs> the Buccaneers and Brady are, are just like it's just like assume they're going to keep winning. I mean, they've won like nine straight. It's, they set an NFL record by winning. I think nine in a row going back to including playoffs going back to last year, where they've scored over thirty points. And uh, what I don't like about this game is where it's at, and the fact that the one thing that really st- disrupts Tom Brady is that pressure up the middle. And you're playing Aaron Donald, who's playing lights out as usual. And they they have that interior rush. And just the fact that, yes, Tom Brady will lose another game before he retires. It will happen. I guarantee that that he will lose at least one more game before he retires. And also, I guarantee that someone, the talking heads, will rush to use that as an example that he's washed up. (laughs) Will he ever? It will be the hot take Monday morning because Brady will probably look uh, you know, discombobulated and he'll, he'll probably fall down awkwardly like a, like a 45 year old man should. And it'll be, Oh my gosh, he's, he's done. So that's my two guarantees. I think I wrote him off like five years ago at one point. I think we all yeah. did. It wasn't, there was one year where he really struggled at the start of the year. Wasn't it? Was that two, three years ago? Uh, he was written off that made the, uh, the, uh, we're on to Cincinnati a cliche and that's probably been what, how many years now? That's yeah. a, that's a handful of years at least. Um, so, yeah, he's going to lose a game, of, and this would be the game that he loses. This would be an understandable game that they lose. Um, but uh, they're going to, this, this is probably an NFC championship game preview. You're already down on the Packers already? They were your preseason I am, Super Bowl I am, team. I'm, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I'm out. I'm, I just I only take them two weeks at a time and then I move on. So, okay. Okay. Interesting. Uh-oh. Interesting AFC matchup Chargers and Kansas City, a game at Arrowhead. You know, Chargers trying to build on last season's momentum with Justin Herbert, but Kansas City um, almost a touchdown favorite in that game. They're they're looking good, but maybe a little bit of early season rust going on there. What what do you make of that matchup? Yeah, it's just hard. It's so weird to think that of, of uh, Patrick Mahomes losing two in a row. You know, he's only lost two in a row twice in his career. He's never lost three in a row. Um, you know, I think Kansas City coming home. You know, they, you know, they get back and they, you know, score however many it takes to beat them. Uh, just, I, I don't, I see Kansas City as a team that's going to, when they wobble, they're not going to wobble for for long unless there's injuries. 
Monday night game is a good one too. You got the Eagles and the Cowboys. Eagles were kind of have kind of been all over the map this year. Jalen Hurts was dominant in the first game, and then the second game they had a hard time, you know, getting much going offensively at all. Dallas hasn't had much of a problem uh, getting getting the offense going. But what what do you uh, what do you see in in this matchup? I think I like Dallas. I, I mean, I'm, I think maybe that first win for the Eagles was a little bit of a a little bit of fool's gold, but I, I'm interested to hear what you think. I got the Eagles winning. You know, okay. close. If they're going to force feed us to watch the Cowboys every week, at least the Cowboys have been exciting. I mean, it's it's come down to last second uh, field goals in uh, both weeks. You know, um, they lose one and then they win one. Um, you know, the Eagles are a fascinating team to watch because he just feels like Jalen Hurts. There's, he's nowhere near ready to play, but he has some of these – abilities that it doesn't it's almost like it doesn't matter if you're not ready to play quarterback because he can do so many different things to hurt you um you know I think the Cowboys uh, you know I, it's it's an upset it's a Monday night it's it's in Dallas but I, I just like the Eagles in this one if the Vikings end up favored that can be your new upset special because they can be a dueling <laughs> upset specials for you um this week a couple more things Mark aside from picks like you said at the outset, you wrote about Zimmer this week, kind of, you know, playfully a little bit, but also kind of taking him to task for the idea that, you know, they're they're two plays away from being two and oh. And even if though it's, even if that's kind of true, you know, because I think I've talked about on this show, they've the two the last two weeks they've had the largest drop in win expectancy from just a single play, the Dalvin Cook fumble and the and the Greg Joseph missed kick of any team in the league. So you reverse those two plays. You figure you should at least have the outcome go your way in one of them. That said, it's a 17 game season. That's still not that much. Like how, how, where's your sense of urgency on, on this team? They've got four games before the buy. What, uh, what do you need to see happen here to make you think, okay, this is a team that's still on track to reach some of the goals they have this year. Well, I mean, they're, you know, one, two, but you got a three game home home stand now, you know, to me, why not you know, win those three games? If you're if you're going to be this team that we think will sneak into the playoffs, or I don't know if it was seven seeds of sneaking in is any like the Bears were a playoff team last year and they, they dumped their quarterback. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a new bar that's lower. It gets lower. It seems like at the NFL to heighten the excitement, but uh, you know, win these three games. You know, Cle- I mean, Cleveland's not this powerhouse coming in. Uh, the Seahawks are aren't a great defensive team. Uh, they got them at home. Uh, and then of course the lions. So it's like when these three go three and two that then, you know, then people won't panic, but yeah, as far as going oh and two and taking Zim um, to task, it's like, I think it was a kind of a, also a jumping off point to the fact that there's been 32 games. 20 of those games were one score games at some point in the fourth quarter. And uh, I think uh, 11 of them were decided by a field goal or less and three went into overtime. Now, Zim's right in the heart of all of that, having two losses by four total points with one overtime. Um, but it's it's a league where almost every week in, in 16 cities, maybe not, you know, throw out Jacksonville and some of the, you know, the, the really bottom feeders, but I mean, everybody can say that. And it's so it doesn't mean anything to me. Two plays from from being two and oh, it just doesn't mean anything because it can be said. It's like when we play in a golf scramble and everyone gets done and you're having a beer and it's, Oh my gosh, we should have birdied the 18 holes. And we all, you know, it's just, 
It's meaningless. You didn't is the uh, <laughs> is the, the yeah. comeback to that. You could have, but you didn't. Um, well, good stuff, Mark Craig. You're right about a lot of those things. We'll see how the picks shake out. And the, the close nature of the NFL games is a good reminder that um, wagering on this league is a, a difficult thing. Um, the picks, use them at your own risk. Use them for entertainment purposes, if you will, as Mark Craig does. And hopefully he entertains you as well. Read all the picks in Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Thanks, Mark. We'll do it again next Thursday. Thanks, Michael. Can't believe Mark Craig is abandoning the Packers already. You can see all of his other picks on Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. Let's finish with the cooler. A couple bits of news. One, Chicago won in the WNBA playoffs on Thursday. That means the Chicago Sky will be the Minnesota Lynx second round opponent. Lynx got a buy into the second round. That'll be a second round opponent Sunday at Target Center. Big one because that is a single elimination round. Lynx against the Sky on Sunday. That will not be an easy game, by the way, for the Lynx, even though they're the three seed and Chicago is the sixth seed, and that's a home game. They split a pair of games this year, and Chicago put up a combined 200 points against the Lynx in those two games. Lynx won a shootout in the last game they played this season. Final score in that one was 101-95 back on August 21st, uh, but they lost to Chicago 105-89 earlier in the year. So that will be a real test if they're going to be able to get back to at least get back to the league semifinals. They're going to have to go through a high-scoring Chicago team. Also good news for the Vikings. Sounds like Anthony Barr progressing to maybe play on Sunday. The linebacker missed the first two games of the year. Vikings defense could use him. I believe Pro Football Focus has them 25th graded right now in the league. That is not a good look for a team that spent a lot of money and a lot of resources and a lot of effort improving itself from last year's team. That will do it for today and for the week. I'm sure we'll have plenty to talk about. The more wild training camp, Timberwolves Media Day is on Monday. Boy, I can't imagine what we'll talk about from that. Can you? Oh, geez. I wonder what the players are going to have to say about Gerson Rosas. And uh, plenty more beyond that as well. Thank you so much for listening to this. And we will see you again on Monday.